0: Mitch tells me we start in chapter 23 today of 1 Samuel. We're in about David and how I love these stories about David just went through everything. And many of the Psalms talk about these things. I usually, every night I read one of the Proverbs, the one for today, so today's the 16th, I think. So tonight I'll read the 16th proverb. I love the 14th and I've been doing this maybe for 10 years, ever since Dan Smith challenged our church to read every night before they go to bed one of the Proverbs for the day. Now that isn't too hard for anybody to do. And it's God's Psychology Book. It's written by Solomon, the wisest man outside of Jesus that ever lived. It's the practical things for living and for every facet of the human existence is in those Proverbs, and it's wonderful. And because it is a living word, the Bible, God shows you new things all the time out of it. So keep reading it. Then after I read the Proverbs, I'll go back and read five or six Psalms. So that by the time I finish Proverbs, I've almost finished the book of Psalms. And there is another one that just helps you live this life and handle the things that are coming at you every day. Horrible things, but it shows you how to handle them and uh, my sister is going. Today was a funeral for her daughter, Julia, who just died on Kay's birthday, which was the 11th of this month. And uh, Kay, she said, well, you know, I've just left it with the Lord, and so it's all up to him. And she's just a radiant Christian with all of this sadness that's happened in her family. All of this has happened to my family in Dallas. And today, Holly, my youngest daughter, who lives in Southern Texas, she called me just weeping because she and Julia were born just about a week apart. And I remember Julia was this tiny little baby and Holly was this healthy little baby. But Holly said, Mother, she was my first friend. Well, yes, they were in the crib together. (laughs) But Julia, Kay said she started in high school with the wrong friends, wrong friends. And instead of her Sunday school friends, and who knows what all she, but she started drinking and she became an alcoholic. And it didn't help to be a Delta stewardess and have access to all those little, all the liquor she wanted. But anyway, she just ruined her life. She was a cheerleader, beautiful girl, but she just ruined her whole life. And about a month ago, she had this wonderful house cleaner and um, The girl said, I'm quitting unless you quit drinking. She said, I'm quitting drinking. That was a month ago. Well, they lie just like they can pull up a lie any minute. Anyway, she started drinking again even though she promised she wouldn't. And she promised her mother and her mother said, finally, then she fell and she broke her nose and blacked her eyes and broke her ribs. And she was just in terrible shape in the emergency room. And out of that, then she just passed away. And Kay said, it's for the best, really, because Kay asked her when she was in the hospital, she said, Julia, if you die today, where would you go? And she said, I would go to heaven. And Kay said, well, how do you know? She said, because as a little girl, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I said God remembers that, and you don't lose your salvation. I mean, you can wreck your life. And there are a lot of Christians that do this, but she's in heaven today, and so we're all rejoicing. Her funeral was this morning. And uh, I have to just tell you this because I think it was so sweet. In the emergency room where Julia was dying, their pastor at First Baptist Church, Robert Jeffress, he was visiting Julia and Kay because he wrote this book lately. I forgot the name of the book, but it was dedicated to Jack and Kay Brady. And Kay has been taking just beautifully handling it. I thought, she is such a fragile little girl, how could she, but it's the Lord. He's helping her handle all of this stuff. But anyway, in the emergency room, there was this young doctor that Kay said had the loveliest smile. But when Dr. Jeffress came in and prayed, he stepped out of the room, the doctor did. And uh, when Jeffress left, he came back in the room and he said, was that Dr. Jeffress? And Kay said yes, and he said, well, I have his book in my hand. I listened to him on television and on the radio, and I wish he could have autographed my book. And he had it in his hand, imagine that. It was just kind of a miracle that this fellow was a Christian. He did have a Christian smile, happiness all over his face. But in all of these things, you let the Lord handle things. And I have learned that when I can't do anything about something, I don't worry about it. I just leave it with the Lord. I can't do anything about what's happening over there, but the Lord knows all about it. And so I'm just leaving it with him. Now, Lord, we ask you to bless our class today as we look at the life of David and now realize that he went through everything, every experience in life. And now Saul, his father-in-law, well not, I mean, he gave his wife away. And he Saul became demon-possessed, and he wanted to kill David. So David is running for his life now. And many of the Psalms are about this and about how the treachery of people like Doig, the Edomite. But we don't expect much from an Edomite because they're descendants of Esau, and all the Herods came from this family. And we know in the book of Esther that Haman was an Edomite. Idumean, that's what that means, and he wanted to kill all the Jews. Well, we see all of these things, and it brings us right today that probably the leaders over there in ISIS are descendants of these same ones that have hated the Jews, and the Bible calls it an ancient hatred, an ancient hatred. But Lord, we just ask that you would bless us today as we consider these things and you've told us that everything in the Old Testament is our example book and it's written for our example upon whom the ends of the ages have come. We believe we're in the end of the ages and we just believe that you're coming for us soon. And I just hope that the rapture is this year as the world gets darker and darker when we read the prophetic portions of the Old Testament, like Ezekiel 37 and 38, we see the restoration of Israel in the land and then this enemy that comes down, swooping down on, the, on Israel to wipe them out and then how your, your fury is going to rise in your face and you're going to destroy them all. They're on the mountains of Israel. Now this could happen, I probably will, in these young girls and all of these young people's lives. But Lord, we're looking for the rapture to happen where jesus promised that he would come for us someday we'd be caught up together with him in the clouds this isn't his second coming this is the coming in the clouds and believers caught up to be with him dead ones first then we which are alive and remain caught up together with the dead ones to be with him forever and so she will be with the lord that's first thessalonians 4. but then in revelation the second coming is when he comes Not in the clouds, but he comes with his feet on the Mount of Olives to do away with his enemies and set up his kingdom on this earth. How we're looking for that time. Unless we understand the Bible dispensationally, that God has a period of time for each thing, we'll be hopelessly mixed up in our theology. So may we realize that God has a plan in these periods of history, periods of time dealing with mankind, and we believe we're in the very end. So bless us as we consider David again. David is a type, really, of Jesus who came from the family of David and that he's a type of a mighty king who's coming to rule and will defeat his enemies. And that's what Jesus is going to do someday. Remember when the angel said to Mary that he will be great and he'll be king and he will set his throne on David's throne in Jerusalem. So someday... I just can hardly wait. We just have these hopes. Only the Christian has this hope. And as I meet Muslims today, and they're very dear people, many of them, I just keep wondering, oh, if I could just help them realize that their religion has no hope. They don't have a risen Savior that we do. They don't have any love in the Koran. The word isn't mentioned. They have a different God than we have. So bless us, Lord, as we consider all of these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now, we stopped last week with about David and his band of men and how Doig the Edomite betrayed him. And he said, I saw David go into the priest's place in Nob. And Ahimelech the priest gave him the sword of Goliath. And he didn't have any food and he let him eat the the showbread and the food for the priest's. Well, that's where we stopped. Jesus, he brought this story up in the New Testament. Didn't David do this? It was all on the Sabbath. They were trying to do away with Jesus because he was healing on the Sabbath. And David was doing this on the Sabbath. They weren't supposed to do any work. So in the ninth verse of chapter 22, Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all of his father's house, the priests who were in Nob. And they all came to the king. And Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. And he said, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, that would be David, in that you've given him bread in a sword and inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, and who among all your servants? See, Ahimelech didn't know that Saul hated David. So he said, who among your servants is so faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king wouldn't lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doig, you turn and kill the priest." So Doig the Edomite turned and that day he killed 85 men who wore a linen ephod. See how cruel they could be. And also the city of the priests he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. This is an unparalleled act of barbarity, like in the time of the slaughter in Gibeon. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Hadab, named Abiathar, he escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doig the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, don't fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, but with me you shall be saved." And so he had a priest right there with him who had the way of reaching God. We're gonna see that in a minute. Then they told David saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against, and I imagine it's Kyla. They are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, How did he do it? Through asking the Lord, through the priest. That's how we do today. Jesus is our high priest in heaven. And so we go to God the Father. That's how we pray. We go God the Father in that we come through Jesus, our high priest. That's the only way you get to God is through our high priest, Jesus. So he went through the priest. The Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kilah. And David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Kilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kilah. I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Kilah and fought against the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Kilah, and they were not grateful at all, we're going to see. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Kilah, that he went down with an effort in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Kilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Kilah to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. That was the thing that they determined a yes or no answer. We don't really know and I'm thinking it could speak maybe. I mean who knows but what the Lord could give a message to him. The ephod was in a kind of a muff. It was a white stone or a black stone. Anyway, it would yes or no or maybe it was spoked. I don't know, but it told him what the Lord wanted him to do. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Kilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Kilah, now listen to this, will the men of Kilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Kilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul?" And the Lord said, They will deliver you. So Saul and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Kilah. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Kilah. So he halted the expedition. And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains of the wilderness of Ziph, that would be southern Israel, Dr. Ryrie says that Kyla is the city of Judah about three miles south of Adullam, the cave where he hid, and bordered on the territory of the Philistines, who would raid the threshing floors after the Israelites had done the hard work of harvesting and processing the grain. The wilderness of Judah is a desolate, barren area between the hill country and the Dead Sea. So you can begin to see where this is, where the Dead Sea is, from where we are today. David and his men used the many ravines and caves in this area as a refuge from Saul. So the wilderness of Ziph is a barren plateau four miles southeast of Hebron or Hebron in a forest better in Horish, where someplace it's all down there near Ziph. Though Saul couldn't find David, Jonathan located him for this their last meeting. So we come down here. And David stayed in the strongholds, verse 14, in the wilderness and remained in the mountains of the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. This is all in the territory of Judah. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. And Jonathan said, And I shall be next to you. Here he was an heir apparent, really, under Saul. But he said, I know you're going to be king, and I'll be next under you. I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that, he said. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us? They wanted to curry favor with Saul. Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hakala, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure. See the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I am told, that's what Saul said, that he's very crafty. See, therefore, take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be, if he's in the land, that I will search for him through all the clans of Judah. Then they rose and went to Ziph, which is eight and a half miles south of Hebron. So it's way south. So they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. So that's five miles south of Ziph is this hill country of southern Judah. So This is where the activity is going to happen with David in the next chapter. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. Therefore, he went down to the rock. So David did and stayed in the wilderness of Maon Now this rock evidently, Dr. Unger says, was a highway sign. When they see this rock, they would know which way to go. So he went to the rock, stayed in the wilderness of Maon, and when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul. For Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them but a messenger came to Saul saying hasten and come for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines so they called the place the rock of escaping. Then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds at En Gedi. Psalm 142 talks about this. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying take note David is in the wilderness of En Gedi, which means fresh water spring. Then Saul took three thousand chosen men from all Israel, went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road, and there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, Now, this is the same as that fellow in the Old Testament that they killed. Eglon went into his summer house to attend to his needs. So really probably go to the bathroom. So that's when he went into the back of the cave, attending to his needs. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand. Now, Dr. Morris said this doesn't necessarily mean people would quote this and say, you never criticize a preacher today. He's the Lord's anointed. Well, that's not true. Preachers today are not necessarily anointed of the Lord. This was God's anointing for king to be the king. So you don't use this necessarily referring to questioning a modern pastor. But you hear this, oh, I wouldn't question this pastor. He could be adulterous. He could be into pornography. But He's the Lord's anointed. We don't, that's not right. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them. Because Saul was God's anointed by Samuel. He did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. And David also arose afterward, went out of the cave, called out to Saul, saying, My Lord the King. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave and someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there's neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients say, now this is a Greek proverb, really, probably older than that. Wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. But one of the proverbs said, the Greek one is like this, it says, From a bad raven comes a bad egg. Hmm. So kind of that's true. Why are you coming out against me? Whom is the king of Israel come out? Who do you pursue, a dead dog, a flea? Therefore let the Lord be judge, and judge between you and me, and see and plead my case. Deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept." So he was very touched. But when the demon came into him, he changed again. Then he said to David, "'You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereof I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? See, this is Saul's better self in his undemonized state, Dr. Unger says. Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you surely shall be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hands. So Saul knew this. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants. See, that's what they always did. Like if David would get rid of Saul, then they would usually kill all of their relatives, the babies, everybody. But he says, Swear that you won't cut off my descendants after me. And as we go further, we'll see that David took care of Saul's descendants, like the crippled Mephibosheth. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul and Saul went home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at his home in Ramah, which is a suburb of Bethlehem. And David arose and went down to the wilderness. And this should be Maon again. Paran in the Septuagint it's Maon, and it makes more sense because it's all about that. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name, And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace be to your house, peace be to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us. We didn't hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. we don't know which feast day it was, maybe Passover, but we know that... (laughs) "'Nabal was getting real drunk on the Passover. "'Please give whatever comes to your hand "'to your servants and to your son David.' "'So when David's young men came, "'they spoke to Nabal according to all these words "'in the name of David and waited. "'Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, "'Who is David and who is this son of Jesse? "'There are many servants nowadays "'who break away each one from his master. "'Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat?' That I've killed for my shearers and give it to men when I do not know where they're from so David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him all these words then David said to his men every man gird on his sword so every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword and about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies now one of the young men told Abigail Nabal's wife saying look David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us. We were not hurt, nor did we miss anything, as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and day, all the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel that no one can speak to him." Then Abigail made haste, she took it into her own hands, took two hundred loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me, see, I am coming after you. And she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. This is a brave young woman. Now David had said, surely in vain I've protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he's repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now when Abigail saw David, she hurried to dismount from the donkey fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord David an enduring house because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man is risen to pursue you, this it be saw, and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass When the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good he's spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you've shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you because you've kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hastened and come to meet me surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she'd brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Then Abigail went to Nabal. There he was, holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told these things to him, that his heart died within him, and he became like a stone. Now this might have been a stroke, heart attack, whatever. Then it happened after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. And when the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth, and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste, rode on a donkey attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Leish, who was from Gallam. Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah. These were the ones that were going to turn him in. They came to Saul at Gibeah saying, Is David not hiding in the hill Hekelah, which is opposite Jeshimon, the desert wilderness east of Hebron or Hebron? Then Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David. He wasn't going to do it, but here he is, going to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hakala, which is opposite Jeshaman, by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp. Now the people encamped all around him. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and uh, to Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down. Abishai is a son of David's sister. so. This is very, very brave. This is hazardous thing to go into the middle of Saul's camp. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there lay Saul sleeping within the camp, and his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And the people lay all around. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? So David said, Furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. And we're going to see in First Chronicles 10, So Saul died. So the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head, and let us go. So they probably tiptoed in, and David took the spear, and the jug of water, imagine this, I think the Lord made everybody really have a deep sleep. So David took the spear, and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away, and no man saw it, or knew it, or awoke, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. So the Lord did this. Then David went over to the other side, stood on the top of a hill far off, a great distance being between them. David called out to the people and to Abner the son of Ner saying, Do you not answer Abner? And Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your lord the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you are worthy to die because you've not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now you see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son, David? (laughs) And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. David said, Why does my lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let my lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. Now, therefore, do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. He says this now, but he goes back on his word. I have sinned. Return, my son David. I will not harm you any more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things. And still prevailed. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. Twenty-seven. So David becomes a Philistine vassal. And David said in his heart, "Now I shall perish some day by the hand." He loses heart after all of this. Now I shall perish some day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maa, king of Gath. Who came from Gath that David killed and took his sword? Goliath. So he goes to Goliath's hometown. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, the Hinoim the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelites, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Now David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So evidently, Goliath came from one of the five royal cities of the Philistines. So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. This city used to belong to the tribe of Simeon but the Philistines had captured it. So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. And David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, the Amalekites, for these nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt wherever david attacked the land he left neither man or woman alive but took away the sheep the oxen the donkeys the camels the apparel and returned and came to achish then achish would say where have you made a raid today and david would say against the southern areas (laughs) so this time of lapsing into not trusting the lord completely he began to lie and it produced other evil fruits and his life was really unworthy of a believer, right, during this period. But that's what happens with all of us. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. And so was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore he will be my servant forever. So Achish was a true Philistine. Now I've got David, and he'll be my servant. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. And David said to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Read Leviticus 19, because the law said they were to be put to death. They were to be out of the land, but here is well, there's going to be one left. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, Saul said, that I may go to her and inquire of her. If if the Lord won't answer me, I'll see if Satan will. And his servants said to him, In fact, There is a woman who is a medium in Endor. So this is a mistress of a divining demon. So Saul disguised himself, put on other clothes, and he went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. See, this is what they do. But don't ever get into this kind of thing of going to a seance with it. Because demons do this. But in this case, God is going to override. Now notice what he's going to do. Then the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul has done, how he's cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up from where? Where did people go in the Old Testament when they died? Well, we read in Luke chapter 16, there was a place in the heart of the earth, that's where Jonah went, two compartments, the saved compartment and the lost. So when Saul died, he was saved and he went to the saved compartment of Sheol Hades. When Samuel died, he went to the saved compartment of Sheol Hades and that's where the dead were waiting the resurrection. When Jesus died on the cross, He went to the saved section for three days and three nights. And then the Bible says that he led captivity captive then after three days and three nights in Ephesians 4. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. That's the picture. Then he gave spiritual gifts in the early days of the church. That's the book of Acts. So that's where Saul went because he was a believer. That's where David went. That's where Jesus went. And that's where Samuel went. And then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. But usually it would be her control, a demon, that would come and, and impersonate. See, demons can impersonate. Don't ever have anything to do with these things of Satan. And people do this today. They want to know what's happened. But the Bible tells you what's happened. So just read the Bible. So when she saw Samuel, she, she, she was scared this. She cried with a loud voice, because usually, I mean this was unusual, she really saw Samuel, and God did a, a, a miracle here. He really did bring up Samuel this time, but she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul saying, you've deceived me. This isn't my regular demon that's coming up to tell me lies or whatever happened to Saul. This is the real thing, and the woman spoke to Saul saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. See, they didn't go to heaven right away then. Now today, if I would die today, my soul and spirit would immediately leave this body and go right to heaven where Jesus is because he led captivity captive. That's where believers go today, where he is. Wherever Jesus is, that's where we'll be. But back then, they were waiting the resurrection. They were looking forward to the time that Jesus would come. So this is a very important doctrinal point. We get all of these things in here about, don't go to seances, don't have anything to do with things of Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's what we need to say. And the king said to her, don't be afraid. What did you see? Verse 13. And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So she saw the soul and spirit. Now we're going to see more about the soul and spirit in the Old Testament. And it will tell us things about us today. So we said to her, what is his form of this spirit ascending out of heaven? And she said, an old man is coming up and he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up from the saved section of Sheol Hades, from paradise? Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? So evidently the saved place is a place of comfort and rest, but the other place is a place of fire and torture. Well, let's turn to Luke's 19, just a second because this is very important. Verse 19, there was a certain man, this is Jesus talking, certain man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, sounds like Nabal. And when a person is named, now here, Lazarus, it isn't a parable, it's a true story. When it's a parable, nobody's named. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at this rich man's gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Well, that adds a little bit more. So when Saul died, who carried his soul and spirit? Angels come. If I died today, or you did... Angels would come and carry my soul and spirit right up to Jesus. (laughs) I just love this, to think what the Bible teaches. So, uh, he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Well, we know where Abraham was a saved person. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Sheol, now see this is down in the heart of the earth. That's what is terrible down there in the lost section. He lifted up his eyes in the lost section and looked across a great gulf and saw the saved section. Evidently, with these two places in the Old Testament, they were separated by a great gulf. And now today, the saved section is empty, but the, the other one is getting fuller and fuller and fuller, the lost section in, in the heart of the earth. So the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, or hell, in the lost section, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So Abraham and Lazarus are in the saved section and they could see each other. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. So what is the lost section like? Tormenting flame. It's terrible for a person to die without the Lord, without knowing him. So he said, have mercy on me. Dip the tip of his finger. Well, what kind of finger? His soulish finger. I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received the good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he's comforted and you're tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, Between the lost and the saved, there is a great gulf fixed. So once you're dead, you're dead. A great gulf fixed. So that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Well, then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send into my father's house back on earth. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Moses talked about all of this, and we're reading about it even now in the Old Testament. So it's all through the Bible. They have Moses and the prophets. Prophet Jonah talks about this. Now a lot of people don't agree with that, but when you take all the scriptures together, this is what you come up with. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, But if one goes to them from the dead, they would repent, which means change your mind. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. This is just before Jesus was crucified. Did they all believe in him afterward? No. Do they today? The risen Lord? No. Neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So back here, we're close for today. It's an old man covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face. And Samuel said, Why have you disturbed me? Verse 15, bringing me up. And Saul answered and said, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and does not answer me any more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, Why then do you ask me? seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy. And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, namely David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek." See, God said to Saul, you're to kill Amalek, not leaving. He saved him. And Amalek was an Edomite also. And Moses was leading the children out of slavery and leading them to the Promised Land, who attacked them first but Amalek. So God has war with Amalek from generation to generation and we've gone all through that. His fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you to this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, this is what Samuel said, You and your sons, and this means wonderful Jonathan, you and your sons will be with me. So they were all saved. You'll be with me in the saved section of Sheol. That's what Samuel said. Tomorrow you'll be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him for he had eaten no food all day long or all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now therefore, please, also heed the voice of your maidservant. Let me set a piece of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him. He heeded their voice, so he arose from the ground, sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house. She hastened to kill it, and she took flour and kneaded it, baked unleavened bread with it, and she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they arose and went away that night. So we'll stop here, and we're almost at the end. We'll finish First Samuel, but we'll get into Second Samuel, which is really, it was all one book once. So Lord, we thank you for this time and ask that you would bless these truths to our hearts and we might lay them up, that we might study them for ourselves and see all that you have for us, Lord, so that nothing surprises us. And we just commit ourselves and our loved ones to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.